this is Carol Top from homeschoolcpa.com, back with some more podcasts on the Dollars and Cents show. You will be listening to a four-part podcast series that are excerpts from a talk I did at the Indiana Association of Home Educators Leaders Retreat. The uh, Indiana Statewide Organization holds an annual retreat, just a day long, usually just a, a middle of a day retreat for their support group, homeschool co-op, and any kind of homeschool leader. And they invited me to talk to them uh, recently. And so I entitled my talk, What Are Homeschool Leaders Thinking About? Because I thought that might be interesting for leaders in Indiana to hear about what other leaders across the country are contacting me at my website or what I'm hearing in phone calls and what I'm hearing when I visit different states. So the uh, four podcasts focus on how homeschooling is changing and the lines between homeschooling or running micro schools or running, you know, private schools are blurring and what we should be doing about that as homeschool leaders. The second podcast in the four-part podcast is going to be about the relationships that homeschool organizations have with their churches. Some homeschool groups are having a hard time getting churches to host them. And I'm, I spent a little time talking about that. There is an episode in this four-part series about tax-exempt status, at what you need to get it, and how you maintain it, and maybe when you don't need it. And then finally, a very timely topic that I'm getting asked a lot of questions about that is uh, paying volunteers and paying teachers in your homeschool co-op. So uh, to find the other podcasts, uh, you can go to my website, homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast. And then you can find podcasts like this one that you can listen to to get helpful information for you as a homeschool group leader. I hope these podcasts are helpful to you. Understand I'm talking to a live audience, so the audio quality can be a little uh, variable. Sometimes the, there are questions coming from the leaders, and the volume may, may dip a little bit. But um, I hope you can still get a lot of helpful information and encouragement from this podcast given at the Indiana Association of Home Educators Leaders Retreat. And then I'm hearing from people in California. Oh, California is like a whole other continent. Oh, my gosh. But now it's Oregon. Uh, no, Washington State. No, Oregon. I'm going to Oregon next week. And Alaska. And most of this is a Facebook group. Do you know about this Facebook group called I Am a Homeschool Group Leader? If you're not already on, if you like Facebook, I love Facebook. Facebook groups are fabulous. And this one called I Am a Homeschool Group Leader is wonderful. And this is where I have heard from these, these homeschool leaders in these states. And what they're telling me, these three states at least, the, the, pay, the homeschooling parents get money. They either get an account, get a voucher, or they get cash from their state. And what they're finding is all the programs like the homeschool co-ops or the gym programs or something are going up in cost because government money has been handed out. So everything's getting more expensive. And, and uh, in some states you can decline. I think California can decline the government money, meaning you're more free to use uh, teach homeschooling with a religious purpose. But everything got more expensive. Everything's more expensive in California to begin with, but, but the programs got more expensive. And then they tell me the volunteerism is tanking. No one's volunteering anymore. Why? Because government money stepped in. And it's just eye-open how Debbie Kittren will talk to you right till she's blue in the face about the problems with taking government money, but we're starting to see it in these states. 
where volunteerism is going down and the cost of everything is going up. Homeschooling is changing. Not sure I like some of that. And um, I think what I really don't like, even though I wrote a book on homeschool co-ops, I like co-ops that run for one day a week, not this, uh, these changes I'm seeing. I think the real root of it is that, that the, the blessing of homeschooling is being taken away when, when someone else starts homeschooling your kids. I'm getting some nods. You understand what I'm saying. Now, I know homeschooling is a challenge, right? I, I homeschooled for 14 years. But I have the best relationships with my adult daughters, I think primarily because I prayed a lot and I homeschooled them. And, and when you entrust too much of, that, of the, the education of your children to homeschool co-ops or homeschool programs or micro-schools or online schools or whatever, they get the joy of the relationship with your child and not you. So that's what I think the saddest thing that I see homeschooling becoming. Less about the beauty of the relationship and the true joy that comes with homeschooling. Okay, done preaching. Kind of. Okay. <laughs> so, um, how many of your groups meet in churches? That is almost everybody. Churches have been very welcoming for the most part, especially if your groups are faith-based. And a good church is hard to find, isn't it? We used to find churches more willing and sometimes even rent-free, but now I would say here, okay, here are the expectations you should walk into when you are dealing with a church and your homeschool program. You should just expect that you are going to have to pay rent. If it's free, then you thank them up and down and you write notes and every time you pass them in the hallway, like Tara said, you thank them because it's very rare now for churches to give you free space. So if you're getting free space, you are very blessed and, and do everything you can to keep it that way. It's pretty typical. Most, most, are most of your churches requiring you to get insurance policies? Yes? Yeah, it's pretty much going to be pretty standard when you go to a church and say, can my homeschool co-op? It's usually the co-ops that, because there's so many kids there. Usually your homeschool support groups, just moms meeting in the, in the church basement once a month. They yeah, didn't need insurance for that. But those co-ops with those kids running around and doing gym class and throwing balls at each other, the church gets very nervous. My homeschool co-op got kicked out of a church. Something about the boys' bathroom. I didn't ask. I didn't want to know. But you can imagine. They're like, you're not coming back, group. The boys' bathroom. Okay. Um, so anyway, we got kicked out. It, we had our own insurance policy because just about every church that we visited, and you can visit a lot of churches before you find one willing to accept you, said you've got to have your own insurance policy, general liability policy, because they don't want to carry you on their insurance. Uh, your, your group will probably only be welcome if you are in alignment with the church's mission. And, of course, that's easier for faith-based groups. Are any of your groups not faith-based? Like you don't have a statement of faith? Most of you guys are all faith-based groups. But you can imagine the difficulty of a, of a non-Christian, non-faith-based group using a church. The church is going to, I'll tell you some horror stories, but the, the, the group is going to have a really hard time finding a space. They're probably going to have to go rent space. I know groups that rent storefronts to hold their co-op. That gets expensive, doesn't it? Or libraries, but they're not always conducive to the multiple class sizes and things like that we like to have. So you're going to start seeing some problems. There's a, um, did any of you know Heidi St. John, the busy mom? She's a popular blogger. She and her husband are starting a resource center out in, in Oregon. 
They bought a building. It's a homeschool resource center, a lending library, and a place for homeschool groups to meet. Probably because in Oregon, Washington, California, churches are having huge problems with opening their doors to homeschool groups. And, and we need to be good, clean, gentle tenants. <laughs> Again, the boys' bathroom problem. So this is what I'm hearing. Washington State changed some of their property tax laws. And now churches in Washington State are limited to business activities in the church to 15 days a year. Meaning if the church wants to open its door to business activities, they can do it for 15 days a year. If, you, if the church has a business conducted in their, on their property more than 15 days, they lose property tax exemption. See, so like this church does not pay property tax to the city of Greenwood, Indiana, okay? But if this, no, this is not true in Indiana, but if we were in, in Washington State, they could not host a business for more than 15 days. Uh, what I have there in fine print, churches can rent their property to nonprofit organizations or schools um, using the property to conduct, I can't pronounce this word, elementary meaning charitable activities. So it's probably okay if your homeschool group is a nonprofit, and again, in keeping with the church's mission, you guys are probably fine. But remember I told you, what about that, that for-profit sports program? She can't come and use the church's facility for more than 15 days if she's in Washington State. Okay? So this could be a problem. Now, so far, I, has, I, I would tell people, don't panic. It hasn't spread. Okay, this is the West Coast. They're not very church friendly. Then I got a phone call. Classical Conversations director cannot find a church to take her program, to host her program. Because I told you earlier, Classical Conversations are businesses. And Illinois has a rule, the Supreme Court in Illinois has ruled that a view to profit, meaning her business has a view to profit, it's a for-profit business, is incompatible with the property tax exemption of a church. What is this lady in Classical Conversations going to do? I don't know. Yeah. Is it okay to ask? Yeah, yeah, please. Sorry I talked to you about possibly starting up my own Kind of like a micro school, but I mean, I was looking for two days a week and doing, you know, kind of a cottage school thing. Cottage and school, my yeah. My church was willing to host that, but they just changed the rules in our building to not allow businesses. And I was going, I was looking at doing it for profit. I didn't know how I was going to do for profit or, or you know, nonprofit. I didn't know which one, to, which one was the best, and I was really struggling with trying to figure that out. And it's actually slowed me down, and I've waited another year to try to figure it out because I can't figure out the best way to pay myself, pay the teachers, and it, with, with for-profit, it's a little bit more clear. With non-profit, it's more difficult. Yes, it is. And, um, but my church has just now closed that door, and my pastor asked me the other day, so what about that school you want to do? We're still really in support of that. And I'm like, you just closed the door to businesses, uh, to for-profit businesses. So I don't, they didn't do it for tax exemption purposes. They just did it as a business decision for themselves, so... I don't know. That's Did you all hear what she said? You want me to repeat the highlights? Did you hear what she said back there? Basically, she was going to open a micro school or cottage school, as they might call it, as your business, for-profit business. But the church now has a policy that says 
no business is conducted on church property. They probably have an eye to being careful to not lose their property tax exemption. My church has much the same policy. We used to let insurance people come in and do their training or their sales pitches or something at church no more. Hasn't been that way for a long time. Now, again, I think for the most part, most homeschool groups who are formed as nonprofit organizations are going to be okay with this, but you're stuck. You've got to figure out what to do. Not meet at the church, go somewhere else. I don't know. I'm just seeing these things crop up. Yeah. We could talk about whether you want to be a nonprofit, but in many ways, forming a nonprofit is more complicated. Yeah. And how you get paid because you're not the owner. You get paid at the will of the board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In our city and a lot of cities around the country, they have um, incubators for small businesses, for even artisans, for lots of things that are started up that would have plenty of space for co-ops that might be an option for, for because they would even encourage you starting something like that. Okay. Because they would want a profit. Yeah. And Muncie is definitely a city that is encouraging entrepreneurship and businesses because they've been so economically depressed for a long time. But, yeah, if you're talking about small business incubators, go go contact small business incubators and see if they have um, facilities, properties, something that can be. But it's not always affordable to go rent space, and you're going to have to probably pay. Yeah. Churches, if they see you as supporting their mission, meaning meaning the Christian faith, will often open the doors, but if, if you, you know, if they see dollar signs, or they think you're for profit, you know you're probably low profit, if any profit, to be honest, right? Yeah. Yes. She said something on the head, hasn't she? Have in some of your co-ops, because I encourage this, instead of you, the co-op paying, let the parents pay the teacher directly. So that means when that woman walks into your co-op on Friday afternoon, teaches a class, and she's getting paid by the parents, she is a business owner, isn't she? And you're think, the, the church is thinking, well, I'm hosting a homeschool co-op here. They're probably not thinking, no, sometimes those individual teachers, my co-op had a guitar teacher, had an art teacher come in, and the parents were paying directly to Joe, the guitar teacher, and, you know, the art teacher. Those are individual businesses being run on the church property that day. Does that mean sometimes our co-op practices, which were working so lovely, could jeopardize the church's property tax exemption? So far, not yet in Indiana, but look, it's right next door in Illinois. We've got to keep our eyes and ears open about that stuff. <sighs> well, I hope you enjoyed hearing some of the questions and my replies to the homeschool leaders given there at the Indiana Association of Home Educators Leaders Retreat. Hey, I hope your state organization is supporting you by offering leader gatherings like this, maybe in conjunction with your statewide homeschool convention or separately like Indiana does. But, you know, you could put something together yourself, and you can invite me to, to come and talk to homeschool leaders in your area. I'm, I'm flying out to Kansas in a few days to talk to leaders in Wichita. 
but, you know, if you can't afford that, then maybe something like a, a virtual visit, a, a conference, a telephone conference call, or, a, you know, a Skype visit might be just what you want to bring helpful information like this to your leaders in your local area. So please contact me, Carol at Homeschool CPA, if I can be of some assistance to your homeschool leaders, and maybe we could set something up that's affordable and helpful to your leaders. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.